0: Hello. This is Richard C. Wilson at the Family Office Club, and today we're doing a member spotlight interview with Daniel Cohen from Cohen & Company. Welcome, Daniel.
1: Thank you, Richard. It's great to be here.
0: So, what does your investment firm focus on doing every day?
1: We focus on investing in uh, banks and insurance companies uh, and uh, other uh, vehicles that have low volatility, and then we think, feel strongly we have great advantages for investing in them. So we've been doing that in the form of subordinated debt over the last 20 years. Uh, And really, uh, in the CLO market, we've been there uh, since uh, 2005 as a manager, as an investor, as an opportunistic uh, participant in the marketplace.
0: Okay. I think most family offices, even sophisticated ones, might not be familiar with the scope or the breadth of opportunity of investing in insurance companies or insurance offerings. Can you talk
1: about just the size of that market or some high-level details? It's a very large market. Surprisingly enough, there are, in Europe and the United States, over 8,000 uh, small insurance companies uh, that need funding and that bear risk for a variety of different uh, things that they do. The number of them that fail in their debt failures each year are very small, but accessing them as an investing class, while they're willing usually to pay relatively high rates for capital that they need, simply accessing them is a very difficult thing. So we've amassed the assets that we have under management, basically uh, by lending to these insurance companies in long-term debt that's very stable.
0: Okay, great, yeah. I've just become much more familiar with it recently as we onboarded a uh, investor client and they run an insurance company and they're looking for those very secure type investments. And, you know, probably a, probably a connection for, for your firm actually. So also, I think the retail investor world, you know, learned about CLOs during like the 2008, you know, kind of meltdown and they found out these things existed and said, Oh my gosh, you know, this caused a lot of problems in the financial system, but they've been around for a long time and there's all different types of CLOs out there. Can you talk for a minute about, that market, uh,
1: what a CLO is and just kind of clear any confusion might be about that space. Yeah, what a CLO really is, is a bunch of loans all packaged together, typically about 300 loans uh, that are to all sorts of companies and specifically in lots of different sectors. So not concentrated in one particular sector. As a group, uh, these loans have performed, outperformed almost anything, even those that were done in the financial crisis wound up having positive returns on average to their investors Uh, and in fact the structures only get better gives you an opportunity it's like a bank uh, but one where other banks really provide the most senior funding instead of the depositors so the opportunity that you have to invest in you know such a vehicle can be very good but you have to be opportunistic and knowledgeable, I believe, on how uh, the market really works, uh, and also you know see the opportunities that are there that are given there at various times. We've been involved in that, like banks and insurance companies, for you know over 15 years now, uh, mm-hmm. and we've really uh, developed a core expertise in the CLO marketplace. Uh, we've invested our own money constantly in this, looked for good opportunities for other investors, uh, and have gotten, uh, you know, excellent returns uh, over the years.
0: Sure. I know one of my mentors, uh, you know, a decade ago, was kind of grooming me, and, and he told me some of the smartest people in finance work on the debt side of the balance sheet, you know, because of the, the downside protection. And I know you've grown to over $2 billion in assets, if I'm not mistaken, correct? What's kind of your ballpark AUM now? Two and a half billion under management. Yeah, congratulations. So, what is key to your value add process that has allowed you to get there? While there are so many mom and pop investment firms out there that are thirty million in assets, one hundred and fifty million in assets, and here you are with two point five billion in assets. You know, what's that value add process, or what's part of that that sauce that's gotten you there?
1: Well, I think that it's really focusing on stable asset classes that have a lot of longevity. So I think banks and insurance companies, banking and insurance has changed over the last 20 years, but the need for banking and insurance continues to be extremely high, insured deposits from the FDIC. And you know, you need to insure your house and everything else that you have, even today's cyber insurance. There's lots of niches that are serviceable by the underlying sectors. So in the context of a very secure, highly regulated environment, Uh, we've dug deep and done this for a long term and keep getting better at what we do. Uh, and you know, our, our only, uh, real constraint is the amount of lending that we can do, uh, in the firms that we like, because we would like to have not just the low rates of loss of everybody else, but even a better performance. So I would say. Uh, we built an organization with longevity of uh, employees uh, with great people that uh, actually have been doing and focusing on this sector for a very long time and that's our singular approach to everything that we do.
0: Okay, Um, I think SPACs are really interesting. I know some SPACs raise capital Can't find a good enough deal. From what I know, all SPACs are publicly traded. Maybe there's a type, you know, you're in the space, maybe there's SPACs that are not. But um, can you talk a little bit about your work in that space, how you know which ones are going to perform well or not? I'm guessing you choose ones that are obviously focused on debt or CLOs or your niche area of expertise. But I'd just be curious to learn a little bit more about that.
1: Well, actually, we started off in the business because we saw a huge change in financial services that really led us to launch. Fintech Acquisition Corp, which was a very successful SPAC, which bought a company that uh, then was sold to First Data. We then did other SPACs after that. And building on this, we decided that there was a proposition that was very strong, which was uh, the nice thing about SPACs are that an initial investor in the SPAC can get 100% of their money back plus interest uh, within 24 months. And that's happened whenever a SPAC hasn't actually been successful. It seems like it would be impossible to take a company public through a SPAC, but even recently, the performance of companies like DraftKings and Virgin Galactic uh, and uh, Nikola Motors have been spectacular because it's a great vehicle for a variety of reasons, which we know, I'll just keep it short and say, which we know the dynamics of all the various transactions the ability of a sponsor to identify deals, the ability yeah. of uh, you know companies to do well over time. But our downside is that we get 100% of our money back if there's anything that we don't think is a, is a great winner. Uh, and it's a marketplace that we know, we know all of the players and we know all of the uh, companies. And like many of our marketplaces, Uh, Relative to something huge, we don't want to try to master the stock market or master the entire bond market. Our marketplaces are 50 or $100 billion of assets, uh, niches that are susceptible for us getting an information advantage and getting a knowledge advantage. And SPACs are at their highest point and well-known now because of the companies that have gone public to them and their longevity now in the financial system. But you know, I think there's only twenty-two billion dollars so of SPACs outstanding, so it's a big asset class. Twenty-two dollars, but it's a Goldilocks asset class—not too big, not too small. So- right. Right. Okay.
0: Great. That's helpful. What's the number one due diligence question that investors should be asking a firm like yours? Whether or not they ever ask you, like if you sold everything, had an exit, you know, got bored on the beach after a while, went back into investing with someone else who would be one of your peers, what's well, a really smart due diligence question they
1: should be asking, or you would be asking? You know, I think that a, a great question would be, you know, whether the manager really understands uh, what the investor is trying to achieve uh, in the portfolio and why they want to invest in this, because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that, that's a key element to what you invest in. What we do is we're looking to produce uh, both current income and stability of value for long periods of time, uh, and that's what we're able to do. Uh, we're not we're not trying to invest in something that might have a fifty percent return, uh, you know, for a short period of time, and we're not looking to invest in something that is very, you know, low return or even a very high return for long periods of time, potentially with a high risk. So we're we're sort of you know I think. Uh, it depends on which managers, which products you want to invest in depend really on uh, you know, what your goals actually are. So making sure your managers are aligned with your goals, uh, I think, is a key element to uh, investing and a good question for your managers.
0: Right. Great. And then uh, my last question is, what's a $100,000 piece of advice that you could give investors listening here? Maybe something that you wish you knew 20 years ago.
1: Something I wish I knew 20 years ago. Uh, over the last 20 years, as I said to you before this audience, I've been surprised while I've been at the same job, quote unquote, how the world has really changed after time. And that the reality is, is that attractive investment opportunities do change. Uh, and while you can't be attracted to the latest flavor just to switch into what seems to be the hottest class, on the other hand, they're often be, become available situations where you can make money over long periods of time. Now, you know, some of them may be 30 years, some of them may be 40 years, some of them may be five to 10 years. So, you know, understanding the changing, uh, the changing investment opportunity set is key. And having an investor that's had that experience and won't be surprised by something, you know, is also, I think, a, a key thing. Uh, so I'd say the best advice would be to look carefully at the opportunities and invest at those that you think will be good opportunities, not just because they're hot, but also because the investments that allows good returns over a medium period of time. Right. Right. Okay, great. And uh, what's the best way for someone to get in
0: touch with you, um, to learn more about your firm?
1: Well, usually I'd say, uh, give me a call on my cell phone, but uh, the, uh, this is more general than that. Uh, I think that the best way it would be uh, simply uh, to uh, go to our web page where we have uh, contact information and we're happy to respond uh, to uh, any contacts that we really have. Okay. And what's the uh, website URL, URL that they should go to? It's www.cohenandcompany.com. Great. Right. And that's a
0: C-O-H-E-N, uh, if anyone's listening. Right. Okay. Great. Well, thanks for your time here today, uh, Daniel, and I uh, appreciate your help and uh, hopefully i have you on
1: a virtual investor discussion panel again soon. I'll be excited to be on it. Thank you very much.
0: Yes. Take care.